This is a Bioneers audio special. Thanksgiving in the Cosmos, the next enlightenment. How do you teach seven billion people to respect the relationship that they have with the Earth? Soon, now. The world has entered a period of radical creative destruction, of breakdown and breakthrough. The very fate of human civilization hangs in the balance, an unprecedented planetary emergency. Has the apparent success of the modern project of human progress also precipitated our downfall? Where have we gone so wrong? Could it be our cosmology itself, our view of our place in the natural and cosmic order? As author Richard Tarnas observes, worldviews create worlds. Is a fundamental transformation of our civilization's worldview the gateway to our survival and flourishing as a species? In this Bioneers audio special, we take an experiential journey into cosmology Consciousness and Change, with Richard Tarnas, the author of Cosmos and Psyche, Intimations of a New Worldview, and Chief Oren Lyons, Native American leader from the Onondaga Nation of the Iroquois Confederacy. I'm Neil Harvey. This is Thanksgiving in the Cosmos, the next Enlightenment. Why is cosmology important? Cosmology is important because it is the container for everything that happens in a civilization. Our understanding of ourselves as human beings in the cosmos, our psychology, our strategies for how we relate to the larger community of life, all this is, is shaped by our cosmology in very fundamental ways. And it's been characteristic of our cosmology since the extraordinary convulsion of the birth of the modern era, the scientific revolution, the enlightenment, that there has emerged a fundamental separation of the human being from the cosmos, from the rest of nature, a sense of a separation between what in philosophy we call like the Cartesian subject, the monotheistic, rational, heroic, solar ego in the larger matrix of nature. And that separation has created what can perhaps best be summarized as a disenchanted cosmos. That is a cosmos that has been neutralized of all 
of all spirit and soul, of all interiority. Talking here about cosmos, cosmology, and I represent um, the Onondaga Nation, so I speak rather specifically, you know, about the Iroquois, the Haudenosaunee, that's Haudenosaunee, which means the people of the Longhouse. It's a league called the Great League of Peace, it's old compared to other nations. It's over a thousand years old. And the um, structure that um, we use today is the same structure that was given to us a thousand years ago. So it's Indian country, we talk about Indian country, and it's a big country. You know, and it's whole Turtle Island that you're sitting on right here. It's all Indian country. And old, old people. Been here a long time. Still here. And still carrying on ceremonies. Thanksgiving in the cosmos. What is the cosmos? You know, we all have our stories. Everybody has their stories. And uh, I just always want to hear a nation's story. And when I hear the story, it's amazing what it says. You know, if you're talking to the Coast Salish people up there along the coast. They'll talk about the clams. It's in their cosmology. Salmon. Or Lakota. Talk about the buffalo. Wakan Talka. Or the Haudenosaunee will talk about peace. Imagine that you're the universe and you're being approached by two suitors, that is two ways of knowing you. And one suitor looks upon you, the universe, as being intrinsically incapable of any spiritual depths or of any meaning or purpose, of any conscious intelligence. All of that is see, the suitor looks up upon himself as being the only being capable of that and looks upon you as being something that is best uh, understood in such a way that he can better exploit your resources for his own self-enhancement. And so the pr purpose of knowledge is prediction and control. The second suitor looks upon you, the universe, as being at least as intelligent and spiritually profound as he might be capable of, he or she. And in this perspective, 
this approach, this suitor looks upon you as being uh, a being that is best approached not through a, a narrow rationalism but through a, a capacity for uh, an empathic, imaginative, aesthetic, intuitive, somatic, as well as reason and sense. All this has to be brought not to predict and control, but rather to better um, overcome the barrier between self and world, human and nature, so that a larger creative potentiality can emerge out of this conjunctio, out of this sacred marriage. If you are the universe, who would you open up your deepest being to? Our story begins beyond the stars, way beyond the stars. Before there was an earth here, when this planet was a ball of water, that's how our story starts from the sky world. And things were over there. Beautiful story. Sky woman, Turtle Island, strong cosmology. And we were always relating. And our uh, story is always about relationship. And so, as it goes, how the earth came about on the back of a turtle. And how we got our names and how we got our designations. Identity is so important to have an identity, to have and know who you are fundamental peace to know who you are. Our families, large extended families, were named after the natural world. my family right here. You see it? Tahuni. The wolf. My family is a wolf. And uh, things going pretty pretty hard for my family out there these days in Minnesota and Montana, Canada and Alaska. Yeah, pretty hard for And we have other families, a turtle, the eel, Deer, bear, snipe, hawk, beaver. These are families. And why? Why? Well, it's quite simple. We're related. We're closely related. So just by the designation, we're tied to the earth. We're reminded all the time that this is our relation. This is our relative. 
you have a very large family, very extended family, goes around the world. But our civilization has by and large entirely bought into the first suitor's approach. That has brought about the reality that we see before us today because a disenchanted, objectifying cosmology essentially empowers the utilitarian mindset whose highest value is profit and power. And as a result, there's a, a kind of spiritual emptiness in a disenchanted universe that the people attempt to fill that spiritual void with whatever they can. And if all they know is a materialistic universe, then consumerism is the strategy to fulfill that emptiness. So we have a kind of techno-consumerist frenzy that is cannibalizing the planet. And because we can never get enough of what we don't really need, we have this situation that we see before us today. We're tied to the earth. You're included. Human species, we're a species, we're not racist. We're black, we're white, we're red, yellow, and everything in between. You can exchange blood. We're family. We're brothers and sisters, and we have intellect. That's why we talk about psyche and cosmology. We have intellect. We kind of bounce it around a lot, you know. But our cosmology tells us how we're related and how we came about and how important it is to maintain this relationship. So my question to you, ponder and think about and come back with an answer. How do you teach seven billion people to respect the relationship that they have with the earth? Soon, now, why? Well, we're facing a crisis. Onondaga Chief Oren Lyons and author Richard Tarnas, recorded at a Bioneers conference. This is Thanksgiving in the Cosmos, The Next Enlightenment, an audio special from Bioneers. So in the modern cosmos, if you perceive any meaning and purpose, whether it's in something that's happening outside of you in, in nature, whether it's a, if you see meaningful patterns that perhaps nature is representing, 
and communicating to the human being through the flights of birds or the, the movements of the planets or the cycles of the sun and moon. From the modern perspective, you're simply projecting human meaning onto the non-human world. That's what disenchantment is. It's, it's, it's a way of turning the world into an object. It's having an I-it relationship with the universe rather than an I-thou relationship. That's been very empowering in certain respects for the human being. Suddenly the world is ours to manipulate and rationally comprehend, predict, explain, control, exploit. But at a huge price, a price of spiritual alienation, but also at a price that can be seen in the external world in our time, and that is the great ecological catastrophe that we are grappling with. How do you teach seven billion people to respect the relationship that they have with the earth? The world is deep, deeper than day can comprehend, as Friedrich Nietzsche said so eloquently. There's more going on than just that one light of the solar egoic consciousness might be seeing. The night sky with the many lights, the night sky ruled by the moon that allows us to see the whole of space rather than just the, the very clarified part that's visible during the day. That larger whole allows us to entertain other possibilities. I think we today are recognizing that a, a profound change is taking place. And I want to argue that what we have seen in the last uh, century in particular is not just a, uh, a horrific, tragic error. Because after all, so much that is noble and precious has taken place that is also connected to the modern project and to the autonomy that has been part of what has emerged in, in the modern world. The autonomy, the, even the spiritual freedom, as well as intellectual, moral, many positive qualities are there. And um, I believe that in some sense we can look at what has taken place. So many of the symptoms of our time and of the last century resemble a kind of initiatory crisis. We have good relations with the Maya. We have old relations. We know them for a long time. So I asked one of the leaders one time, I said, well, what's happening in 2012? And he says, the calendar is coming to an end. 
I said, and then what? He said, well, we'll make another one. <laughs> he, said, he said, however, he says, however, there will be a period of enlightenment. And I thought about that. I said, what do you mean by that? A period of enlightenment. I thought about Long Island. And here is this businessman who works in New York and beautiful day and decides he's going to take his boat and go out and do some fishing instead of go to work. So he does. It's right there, way out in Montauk, tip of Long Island, sitting out there fishing. Bright sun, hot day. I'm going to go swimming. So jumps off the boat and swims around. Pretty big boat, you know, I need a ladder to get back up. There it was, the ladder's there, and he's floating around the water, beautiful. And it drifted a little ways from the boat, but not far. And uh, turns around and he sees a fin, a gray fin coming directly towards him, about three feet out of the water. I should have went to work. <laughs> That's a period of enlightenment. of the soul, the sense of a deconstruction of the old identity, the crisis of meaning, the encounter with mortality on a planetary scale, all these resemble closely what happens in indigenous rites of passage, in the death-rebirth mysteries, in what Jung would call the individuation process what often happens spontaneously in near-death experiences. The separation from the community. In our case, in the modern human case, it's been a separation from the entire community of being itself, from the universe, from the cosmos. And it's as if the universe itself is putting us through some kind of initiatory death-rebirth process, even as we ourselves are co-creating it, helping to constellate it. Here we are. It is a period of enlightenment calendar's changing, and things are happening, as you well know. So, here we are gathered, and it means you got to bear down now. And all you kids out there, all you young people out there, you're going to need your legs, you're going to need your strength, and uh, ourselves, we have to... Uh, 
take a good look at ourselves and say, how are we going to manage these next years coming? And what about the kids? And seven generations, as our leaders have been told. Instructions we got, one of the instructions, one of many. When you sit and you counsel for the welfare of the people, think not of yourself, nor of your family, nor even your generation. Make your decisions on behalf of the seventh generation coming. Those faces looking up from the ground, layer upon layer. Make your decisions on their behalf. You yourself will have peace. I think, in some sense, the universe may have been constellating painstakingly and painfully a partner to reconnect with the soul of the universe in a new way. Not only rediscover that soul of the universe, but to reconnect with it. Not only to reconnect with it, but to forge a new relationship to it that builds upon everything that has been learned in these thousands of years and in the period of the modern and postmodern. So we have to be adults, don't we? We have to grow up, get rid, get rid of your toys, trim down. I talked to Ted Turner one time and I said, Ted, we're headed for a storm. I said, what do you do? He says, trim your sails, man. Trim your sails and hit her into the wind and ride it. And that's where we're going. So you learn to trim your sails. We'll see how good sailors we are. Thank you. Thanksgiving in the Cosmos, the next Enlightenment, was produced by Neil Harvey and Kenny Osabel. Music by Shaman's Dream and Blue Tech from the CD Prana Pulse, distributed by Sounds True Records at SoundsTrue.com. To explore Bioneers radio shows and video programming, and to learn more about the Bioneers annual conference and year-round programs, go to Bioneers.org or call one 877 My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations.